brethren. Uh, we welcome you to live streaming tonight uh, from Landmark Baptist Church in Lyons, Georgia. Um, our text tonight is taken from Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Let's all stand and honor God's word. Um, I was going to preach on verses 9, 10, and 11 tonight, but uh, I'm not going to be able to because we'll be here half the night because uh, there's a lot in there's a lot in these verses. So I'm only going to be preaching on verse 9 tonight. Very short verse, but it has a lot of thought in it. He says in verse 9 of fourth chapter of Hebrews, he says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessing of it. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the messages out of it. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll continue to do so. And, Lord, I thank you for taking care of me all these years. And, Lord, um, letting me be able to still stand and preach your word. Take care of us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> title of my message tonight is um, Perfect Work of Creation and Redemption. Perfect Work of Creation and Redemption. Now, where do you get that from? Well, what we've been putting together the last couple of three weeks is, is God's rest that he rested at the, uh, at the final parts of, of the creation. God, God took a day of rest. And um, why did he do that? Because he had a perfect work, perfect work. And, uh, and then we've also been talking about how that we as God's people we have our time of rest, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not a day of rest. It's, a, it's an eternity of rest. And so that's what makes the redemption perfect. Uh, redemption uh, is perfected by the fact that, that Christ died for us, and for the very thing that everybody prays for is... He gives us a rest that is eternal. And, and as I've said before, and I'll say it again, this rest that God gives us doesn't start after we die. I've heard people preach on that, that, that the rest starts. No, we have the rest now. You know, if we're resting in the Lord, then we're doing exactly what the Lord would have us do. That's your rest. That's your rest is not having to be concerned over uh, guilty conscience, not having to be concerned over the fact that uh, the fact that uh, have I done things right or or should I do more, and such and such as this. A rest is being able to rest in the fact that yes, I know I'm saved. I know the Lord uh, saved me. I know the Lord. Uh, uh, is with me. I know the Lord's taking care of me, and and I know that He's always going to 
take care of me. That's rest. That's rest in there. That's rest in this life. Not only rest in this life, but that's also rest in all of eternity. Now, last week, we spoke of the warning about hardening the heart when the Lord calls us to duty. That's what we preached on last Wednesday night. Uh, the, the, a warning about hardening the heart when the Lord calls us to duty. You know, some people, as I said last week, you know, some people will say, well, Lord, I'm not quite ready yet to do that. Uh, I'll do it another day. That's, uh, uh, that's, that's hardening your heart toward what God would have you do. And, uh, and so we talked about that last week. But the, the very uh, uh, confirmation of this is listen to him, follow him, and do what he expects out of each of us. That's, that's simple. Just do what he would have us do. You know, I think Paul said in one place that, that the Lord's uh, commandments, and I'm just paraphrasing, the Lord's commandments are not hard. They're not difficult. They're simple. But the fact is, you know, you've got people out there who aren't saved, who really makes a lot of, of, of complex things out of some of the commandments of the Lord. It's just simple. When the Lord says do something, do it. When the Lord calls you to do something, do it. Don't, uh, don't put it off. Don't, don't said, say, uh, as I said last week, you know, uh, there's a song that said, wait a little longer, please Jesus. Well, that's, that's not what we do. We don't sing that song, wait a little longer, please Jesus. Je- Lord, the Lord wants us now. He doesn't, he doesn't want us later on. He doesn't want us after we, uh, as a matter of fact, when we get old, that's sometimes that's when the Lord won't use us, and we're going to see some of that tonight. I'm going to be, at the end of this message, I'm going to be reading from one of the Psalms, and, and you, you'll learn a lot from that, just that one Psalm that I'm going to read tonight. Now this week, we're going to speak about the perfect work of creation and the perfect work of redemption. Now, what God did to redeem us was a perfect work. When, when God created the world and, and he created everything that's in the world, it was a perfect work. God didn't make any mistakes. God, God didn't make any mistakes in anything he created. Everything God created was just exactly the way that God wanted it. And that's the same way with redemption. The perfect work of redemption, Christ did exactly what God had sent him here to do. And as a result of it, if we, if we believe that, and if we, and if we know that to be a fact that Jesus was God himself, uh, and, and the fact is that he came here to die for us, then that's perfect redemption. That's perfect redemption. And, and I've said this before, and I won't say it again tonight. You know, one, one of the, one of the great, uh, things of Satan, one of the great miseries of Satan as he, as he is alive, one of the great miseries of Satan is that he does not understand redemption. He wants to understand redemption. He checks into it. He checks into it to see what it's, what it's like. He, 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 he wants to know more about redemption. He doesn't understand Satan doesn't, doesn't understand how God saves sometimes terrible sinners. 
but he does. He saves terrible sinners. And the reason being is because redemption was a perfect work that God set here for this earth. Now, our text says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. That's in verse 9. That's our text for tonight. As usual, this excludes those who are not the people of God. Now, let's read this again. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Now, the people of God, if you're saved tonight, you are the people of God. Those Old Testament saints that were saved, they were the people of God. And, and they, they were the ones that, was, was, that followed uh, God the Father as far as Jehovah God was concerned. So, but it excludes those who are not the people of God. Understand that. He speaks of, of those, both Jew and Gentile, who are the people of God. Uh, you know, he speaks, Paul puts, puts both of them together in the book of Hebrews. I'm trying to get, get an explanation of this best I can. Paul, in the book of Hebrews, Paul brings the Old Testament and the New Testament together. He, he, he brings all the way from the book of Genesis, he brings the creation and, and he matches it with our created souls as God, God says that uh, he, he, he makes us anew. He, God doesn't, God doesn't make, doesn't refurbish our souls. He makes them new. God doesn't refurbish our heart. He makes it new. And it's, it's not, it's not going into a parts store and wanting a refurbished uh, generator or alternator. But it's going, it's, it's, it's getting a completely new creature that is in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. And, and so that's a, uh, that's, that's, that is not, God doesn't Jew and Gentile. You know, he's, these, these Jews here, these Hellenistic Jews that Paul was that writing to here, they had problems with Gentiles being saved. Paul rebukes them for, for fellowshipping with the Gentiles. But they, uh, and then when Paul tries to teach them that salvation was, was given to Jew and Gentile, they don't want to believe that. That's the reason Paul goes into great depths and, 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 and great uh, 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 explanation as to the, what Jews and Gentiles are. And so here uh, he, talk, he speaks of those, both Jew and Gentile, who are the people of God, not, not just the Jews. You know, uh, those early Jews, matter of fact, Peter, Peter was one. Peter didn't believe the Gentiles could be saved. And you got people. You got even got people today who don't that don't believe that Gentiles uh, can be saved. I mean, you got some some of these Jewish religions. They they think that Jews are the only ones that are saved and the only ones that are going to heaven. But Paul here he he makes it very clear that both Jew and Gentile is a is a recipient of this perfect redemption that God made through the Lord Jesus Christ, that perfect redemption through him. Uh, these are the people that God loved and who, have, and who have been chosen before the foundation of the world 
and called by God to salvation and work. Now, let me tell you, folks, an uh, 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 Orthodox Jew today, yeah, they, they believe that they were chosen in Christ for the foundation of the world, but they believe they were the only ones chosen. They, they don't believe that Gentiles were chosen before the foundation of the world. And so Paul is teaching these, these Jews here that, that uh, yes, you shouldn't fellowship with the Gentiles because they're, they're not the people of God. But there are some that are the people of God. And, and, and that's what Paul was called to preach to during his ministry. Now, he, he talks about uh, they were called by God to salvation and work. They have a rest which remains for them, which is not a Sabbath day rest as God's rest. It's not a Sabbath day rest as God's rest, but a sabbatical. We, we have a sabbatical, which means that, which means that, uh, when a person takes a sabbatical, <laughs> excuse me, what do they do? You know, they take time off and, and they rest. That's what a sabbatical is. That's what a sabbatical is for. A lot of people will take what they call a sabbatical. Some people call it vacation, but the Bible calls it a sabbatical. When, when, when they, when they leave and they take and, and they take a rest, from, from the work that they have done. Well, that's, that's what we are. We're, we're sabbatical, meaning, this mean, meaning that Sunday as our day of spiritual rest under the New Testament covenant of grace, which Christ died on Calvary's tree to seal for his people. That's, that's a, that, that is, that, that's Sunday. Sunday is our, is our sabbatical day of rest. It's when we put everything else aside. I know this is hard. It's when we put everything else aside and we go into the Lord's house. Now, if you come Sunday morning, you're going to understand this a little more because I'm going to be preaching down this line Sunday morning. But, uh, but the thing about it is you're going to have to, you're going to realize that, that our sabbatical rest is Sunday. If Sunday is the day that God has set aside not, not, not necessarily for us, but it's a day that God has given us that we rest. Well, how do we rest? I mean, if, if you don't find comfort in being in God's house on Sunday, then you're not resting. You're not resting. You know, it's, it's a great, I tell you, it's a great thing to have rest. You know, last night, uh, for some reason, I tossed and turned all night long. And I didn't rest as, as I wanted to last night. Now, that's a terrible thing. But I tell you, when you, when you walk into the Lord's house and you come into the worship service of the Lord's house, it's a great rest. It's a great peace. It's a great place to be when, when the time comes. Now, I'm talking about this is called Sunday, which is, uh, is called the first day of the week in that. Now, why is this Sunday? Why, why, I mean, why is it Sunday? Well, Paul gives us, the Bible gives us a couple of examples. The Bible says up on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices they had prepared, Luke 24, 1. First day of the week, that's Sunday. First day of the week is, is, is when the, the women decided that they were going to 
make preparation for the body of Jesus. You know, they were going to clean it up. They were going to wrap it. They were going to do uh, 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 things to it like they did the dead. And, and, but they chose Sunday to do that, the first day of the week. Also, it says, and up on the first day of the week, when disciples, that is the church, the disciples were, were the church. And a lot of people try to make them some conglomeration that the disciples, when he when mentions the disciples, it was a church. He says, and, and up on the first day of the week, when the disciples, that is the church, came together, and when the church came together to break bread, Paul preached to them. First day of the week. That's our, that's our sabbatical. That's our, that's our day of rest. Is the first day of the week. We, we, we give up everything else that we do for the first day of the week. I know that's hard for us to do. You know, uh, somebody says, if I don't, if I don't take Sunday, then I don't have any days off. You know, I don't, like one man told Brother Kendall and I one time when we were visiting, uh, we won, we won, he was a member of Friendship Baptist Church. And, uh, we went to see him because he hadn't been in church for a long time. And he said, well, you know, he said, y'all don't understand. He says, I work six days a week. And he says, Sunday is my only day of rest. Well, he was telling the truth. Sunday was his only day of temporary rest. But we're talking about, we're talking about a day of rest that is eternal. You know, it's eternal. You know, we, we would not be here as the Lord's people if it, if, if we weren't eternal. You know, we're not going to die. You know, some people say, well, everybody's going to die. No, we're not going to die. I've heard, I've heard preachers preach that we'll wake up in heaven. No, you're not going to die. Because this body is not going to come back alive. This body is going to die, and this body is going to be asleep in the grave. But our souls live on and on and on, and, and, and they live on for all eternity. Our spirits, and a lot of people that are, are dichotomous, you know, they, they don't believe it, but uh, we're, we're, not, we're not only soul, but we also spirit. Our soul and our spirits live on forever and ever. The Bible talks about your spirit going and being with the Lord. Well, your soul is there too. And our, our souls and our spirits live on and on forever. And, and that's, that's, that's part of the eternal rest that God gives us, the same rest as I've said before, and I say this again, the closest you'll ever get to heaven here on earth is in the Lord's church. That's the closest you'll ever get to heaven here on earth is the Lord's church. You might say, well, I don't enjoy going to church that much. Well, you need to look back, look back and see what the problem is because all of God's children who are saved and who, who take that sabbatical rest on the Lord's day, they, 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 don't, they don't prepare, they don't make uh, arrangements for something else. They make, they make preparation to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. And so that's the sabbatical that, that is referred to here. And uh, also, Paul said, Up on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. What's the in store? That's here. 
they buy him in store. In other words, in other words, you bring it to the Lord's house and you give it to the Lord. You lay it in store. You lay it in the Lord's house. That's that's what you do. You know, that that's that's what you do uh, on on the first day of the week. That's that's our that's our day of rest. As you can see, the first day of the week, Sunday, is our Sabbath day of spiritual rest. It's our Sabbath day of spiritual rest. Now, God doesn't love all people. I want you to understand that this is hard for some people to see. What he says here is, in the ninth verse, he said, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. He doesn't say anything about those that are not the people of God. To the people of God. God doesn't love all people such as he didn't love Esau, but he loved Jacob. The Bible says, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I hated. Romans 9 and verse 13. People, people hate that. They hate that verse. They, they, <coughs> they'll get upset with you if you even mention that verse to them. Because uh, uh, I've, I've, had, I've had people tell me, well, that shouldn't be in the Bible. That, that shouldn't even be in the Bible because we know, we know a fact. God loves everybody. That's, it shouldn't even be in the Bible. And, uh, and, but, uh, and I had a preacher that came to our Bible conference one year argue with me over that because I made a statement from the pulpit up here during the Bible conference. I made that God doesn't love everybody. And he caught me right after it's over with and he said, I, I, I disagree with you that God does love everybody. No, he doesn't. God provides for everybody. God, God don't, God, God is no respecter of person when it comes to revision. I mean, provision. God provides for everybody. Some people call that a loving provision. You know, that, that God provides for everybody. You know, lost man, saved man, breathe the same air. Lost man and saved man enjoy the same sunshine. Lost man and saved man enjoy the rain when they need it. Lost man and saved man enjoys the food that God gives. And even animals, God provides for animals too. Well, you know, people don't even want you to even make uh, anything concerning animals, anything like people. But God provides for the animals. He does. He provides for them. You know, it's, uh, uh, I, I was reading an article here a while back where it talked about that something kills something. And I, I can't remember what it was, but something kills something and, and, and it leaves part of the carcass and something else comes along and eats that part of the carcass and then something else comes along and drags the bones off. You know, that, that's provision God made for animals. You know, God made provision for animals. God made provision for animals uh, as sen- of the sense of, uh, of the animals, you know, that they eat, you know. Uh, the, um, it, it's been said that, uh, that the, um, uh, the, what is it, uh, what is it they call that uh, wakes up a morning's? And all what he wakes up with, and all he's got a thought in his head is that that I've got to outrun the fastest lion in this jungle. 
I've got to outrun the fastest line in this jungle. Well, it's the same way in, in combat. You know, you wake up in the mornings and you say, well, I, I've got to work on staying alive today and, and such. And, and so, you know, this is a, this, this is the way God created the, cre the, the creation. God provides for animals. He provides for humans. He provides for all humans. And some call that provision a, 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 a provision of love. But, but when it comes to salvation and redemption, God doesn't love all people. As I said, he, he, he didn't love Esau, but he loved Jacob. It is a hard pill for some people to swallow that God did hate a remnant of people. God has, there's a remnant of people out there God hates. And, and, you know, it's not, it's not up to us to say we hate them. It's not up to us, it's not up to us to determine who we're going to hate and who we're going to love. You know, we, we should, we should love all men. We should love, we should love lost. We should love the saved. We should love all men. We should love the lost enough that we want to see them saved. We, we should love all men. But God has a remnant out there that he hates. And, and some people says, well, uh, what is God's provision for them? Well, one provision is he tells us as his people to preach a gospel to every creature. You know, preach a gospel to every creature. Even, even though God has a remnant out there that's not going to heaven, they're not going to be saved and such because he didn't love them before the foundation of the world. They're not going to be saved, but yet he tells us to preach the gospel to every creature. It's not up to us to determine who is not going to be saved and who is. It's not, it's not up to us to sit back and judge that when the Bible says judge not, that's what it's talking about. You, 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 don't, you don't go in uh, and talk to a man and you already judged him before you went. Well, he's not going to listen. He's not going to listen. Let me tell you, folks. You don't know who's listening. I've told this story several times. As, as I've told it, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but uh, but I when when I was in the Army Reserves, when they put me in the Army Reserves, Lord called me to preach. He saved me during that time, and he called me to preach. And, and I asked the general, I said, is it okay if I preach on Sunday to the troops? That's when we were out in the field. And he said, well, sure. And I got up on the back of a deuce and a half, and I preached off the tailgate of a deuce and a half. And uh, there was about 30 men, boys, soldiers sitting around. But several years later, Joseph, a man came to me, and he said, you remember when you preached to those soldiers there at Fort Jackson? I said, yeah. He said, do you, he said, those people wasn't listening to you. But he said, they was a fellow that was laying in the seat of the deuce and a half that was listening. He said, it was me. He said, the Lord saved him, Mike Powers. Mike Powers. He said, the Lord saved me that day. The Lord saved me that day. Oh, Mike, I, I saw his picture here a while back. He looks like he's 100 years old. But, uh, but he was. He was like me. He was young at one time. and uh, But Mike Powers, he said, I was laying in the seat 
of that deuce and a half taking a nap. And he said, I was listening to you. And he said, the Lord saved me right there. You never know. You, you, you never know. You never know. You've got these people, uh, Karen, Sam, and Kendall and Deborah and I were sitting in Florida. And this man come up to me and he said, I know you don't know this, but he said, I was called to preach when you were preaching several years ago. He said, Lord called me to preach during the time you were preaching. And he even told me what I was preaching on that, that very day. That very day. And, but, but I won't tell you, folks, you never know who's listening to you. You might say, well, they're not going to listen to me. You don't know that. I, I don't know who's listening. I don't know who's listening tonight. I don't know if the Lord's going to move somebody tonight or not. But I've known over the years that the Lord, when the Lord starts moving people, he moves them. And I, I know that for a fact. <clears throat> he will send them, those that are of the remnant that he hates, he will send them eventually to hell and forsake them for all eternity. Here's what the psalmist says. The psalmist states, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Psalms 5 and verse 5. Now I'm going to finish this message tonight in Psalms 92. Turn over with me. It's, it's an interesting psalm. It really is Psalm 92. Psalms 92. Begin in the first verse. This this and this verse as I read it to you, I, I, I see pretty good tonight, so I should be able to read it. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the moment, in the morning, and thy faithfulness every night, upon an instrument of ten strings, and upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and then all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, O Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shall thou, but my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes shall also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the course of our God. Now listen to this one. They shall still, listen to this one. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. If that's not talking about me, I don't know what he's talking about. 
God be talking about me. Let me read it again. If God be talking about me, look what he says. Or maybe talking about Brother Sam, I don't know. It says, Thou shalt still bring forth fruit in old age, and thou shalt be fat and flourishing, to show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. I tell you, that, that's a beautiful song. That psalm is worth preaching on. And I'm not going to preach on it tonight, thank the Lord, because y'all be here all night. But that psalm, that, that psalm is good to preach on. The Lord says the righteous are going to live on. The Lord's going to take care of them. He's going to keep them safe. He's going to keep them uh, away from these things that, that uh, they don't need to be around. He's going to keep away from them. All right, let's be dismissed this time and let's go to the Lord in prayer. And